It's time for a sneak peek. Sneak peek, sneak peek. I think it's really important to recognize is that once when you inherit a team and you're on a mission, be truthful in that we're not going to go forward without change. And the very first thing that I'm going to do with the new team is I'm going to pair it up with the purpose of the deliverables that we're responsible to do. And then that comes by which team member has what skill set. And oftentimes we put a team together based on people, not on skills. And if it's not based on skills and talent, you will not achieve your desired end result because you don't have the combined skills to do so. Remembering that no one person can achieve what they want alone. And now on with the show. When you're feeling the pressure, take a moment to step back, pick up your marbles and choose to lead with levity. Join us on the Lead with Levity podcast for fireside chats that will fill your bucket and help you get back to being the leader you were meant to be. Now here's your host, Dr. Heather Walker. Welcome to the Lead with Levity podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Heather Walker, and I have the pleasure of speaking to David Ibarra today. David is the author of Stop Drifting, Become the Switchmaster of Your Own Thought and Pivot to Positive. He's also a business leader and leadership consultant. He has run and managed several businesses. So I'm very, very excited to pick his brain today. And I hope that we all will be able to benefit from his experiences, as well as the wisdom that he's going to share with us and words of advice. So David, welcome to the show. How are you today? Well, and thank you for having me uh, on board today, Heather. Thank you. Thank you. Tell me a little bit about Utah. What's it like out there? Well, it's real hot, just like it is everywhere. Yes, I understand that. In the Rocky Mountain states, as many know, and we're known for our uh, uh, outdoors and uh, wintertime for skiing. Do you ski? Not much anymore. I work all the time. Yes, that's definitely something on my bucket list at some point in my life. I'm going to go do that. I'm going to go to Colorado. I'm going to go to Utah. I'm going to go somewhere and I'm going to ski. But my problem, my challenge, my challenge is when I get the choice to go to the Caribbean <laughs> or, go, or go sit in the snow somewhere, I always, I always pick the warmer climate. So I'm going to have to I'm going to have to plan it. It will happen. But that sounds lovely, David. Well, uh, you you come, you'll like it. But I can't argue with you about your decision. Sounds like a wise one to me. <laughs> so because you have run several businesses and even started one, you were a franchise owner at, at the tender age of 28, which... I think is incredibly impressive, especially when you consider at 28, I think a lot of people are still trying to figure out, okay, what I got out of college, I've got my first job, maybe I'm trying to figure things out in my life, not necessarily I own a business. So how did you actually get into that position where now I'm a business owner and I'm a business owner in my 20s? 
Well, I've, I had there. I was very lucky in that I was a kid who didn't do well in uh, school. I had problems in high school and behavior issues. I was always in trouble, mm. and uh, the neighborhood in which I came from was challenged. And but it was my neighborhood, and I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. And I was a very good football player, and had thought I was going to be headed at least to a state university, and I ended up getting uh-huh. injured and uh, couldn't play football. So what am I going to do? I decided that I had to go to college. And so a junior college was free for anyone in California at the time. So this idea of having an education paid through two years of college is not new. It was done when I was a youngster and uh, I took advantage of that, but Mm. I needed a job. I was on my own. I was uh, 17 and a half and I needed to pay a rent. I needed 200 more dollars and I thought of, uh, well, there's a job available as a dishwasher at Farrell's Ice Cream Parlor Restaurant in Sacramento. And so mm. at the end of the day, I'd be tired. I could do that job. So I took it. I thought it would be the most insignificant position I would have in my life. And by <laughs> happenstance, I meet the owner, Bob Farrell, Robert E. Farrell. And he happened to take a liking to me. He discussed with me that I needed to find my purpose. I needed to be introduced to that other mm. person that lived inside of me that I hadn't been introduced to yet. And he asked me that if I would read a book uh, three times that he visited the location every two months and that uh, he be my he would become my personal mentor. I took the book. It was Think and Grow Rich by a Dr. Napoleon Hill. It was difficult to read, but I read it three times, and Mr. Farrell became my mentor for the rest of his life, and I ended up going from dishwasher to every position uh, within the uh, organization, ended up director of training for the Western United States. We had 140 Mm -hmm. locations and bought my own franchise and moved to Salt Lake City, Utah, where I was born when I was 28 years old. Wow. So- That is quite a story. Let's unpack some of that together. So what was it like? What did it feel like when when Bob, this leader, came up to you and said, hey, there's this other person. (laughs) You're like, wait, what? Another person? I I thought I was me. (laughs) There's this other person that I want to introduce you to. Let me show you the way. What what was that like for you? How did that feel? Well, you know, I always realized that there was uh, there's two of us and that exists in all human beings. Mm-hmm. One is motivated by fear and the other by joy. And one is belief and one is disbelief. I got that early on. I was a kid who was raised in the foster care system. Like mother dropped me off when I was two years old and never came back. And so I had to figure it out, how to exist, how to prosper, how to get through the next day, how to understand this new school I was going to or a family. So while many would look at that as a disadvantage, I really look at it as an incredible advantage because I got to learn to problem solve from my earliest memory. And it was always about, hey, I've got to do more. I got to have something. And while it was based on fear, I understood that I looked at a lot of people, not a lot, but 13% Mm -hmm. of our society why do they have and the rest of us not have? And while some will say it's because the 13% took, I figured out early it's because they did something that the 87% didn't do. And I needed to figure that out. So when mm. Mr. Farrell gave the offer and he was a successful multimillionaire of business, I was all ears and ready to learn. And 
he helped me move from the motivation of fear to the motivation of joy, where work becomes a labor of love and not a sentence of despair. And he changed my life. And I'll always be grateful for the lessons that he introduced me to. That's what we're all about here. And and I'm just curious because you write about the negative voice that comes in, mm-hmm. comes up and sort of pops in right after you say yes to something. Mm-hmm. There's that negative voice. Did, did that happen with you at that time? Oh, sure. I had a reading disability as a youngster and couldn't understand why it was that sometimes I couldn't read. Mm. And it would happen for seconds and sometimes a minute and then it would kick in, but there's this thing called your dyslexic, and and it and, and and there's lots of different forms of it, and I suffered from that, and it used to scare me that I must not be very smart because sometimes I couldn't read. Well, fear. As soon as he left, I, the fear came in. Hey, you 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 don't read very well. I could hear the whisper. What what are you thinking? Why did you tell him yes? And then immediately the fear came to me that if I don't do this, I might not get another chance. In the neighborhood I came from, most of us didn't have much. Most of us were in trouble, at least my friends. And I had a choice. And many felt that I was headed for a institution. It just wasn't a higher learning institution. So I was going to take this chance and I took it. And I'm thankful that the other person inside of me won that conversation and the positive one over negative, And I chose to proceed. I love that. And, and one thing that I truly believe is when we step into the knowledge of our potential and we really start to think about who am I? Let me peel back the layers of what you said I am and what my teacher said I am and what life has said I am. When you really get down to the core and you free yourself to be able to speak your truth, to live your truth, to see the world in a whole new way, I, I truly believe that you free others to do the same. They they can see that. They see the light and they see sort of a path, if you will. So I just want to ask you, because it's clear to me that, that you found a path. And one thing that, that you also tend to write about is this concept of pivoting to positive. Can you talk to us about what is pivoting to positive? How do you do it? Well, first of all, is understanding the brain model. And I was introduced this by some of the works of Napoleon Hill, but also from a researcher and uh, by the name of uh, Jose Antonio Calzada out of Mexico. And understanding how the brain works, 80% 80 being the subconscious, 15% the conscious, the talking like we're doing right now, but 5% the imagination, and that's where all of the action occurs. And we we latch on to positive emotions or negative fear or joy and bring them right. into our subconscious. Subconscious has only one job to do, and that's to make it so whatever you think. So once I understood that and that where I was, and it's not where I wanted to be, I got there by my own choices. Then it became simple because 
positive occurs in the same fashion that negative occurs, seeding the subconscious. So mm -hmm. I have spent my time in, in bringing that kind of thought into the practice that I have in leader, leading the businesses that I own and also in the speeches that I give or the book that I'm writing or the film that I'm doing in that spreading that the first lesson in getting a positive life is understanding how the brain works and positive and negative. And we're the only animal on earth that is control, can control our thought. We are the yeah. master, should we choose to be, of our own thought. And we can pivot to positive in a moment. Mm. Very, very true. And I think it, it can be very, very, it's almost when you first hear this concept, <laughs> it's like, how can that be true? Right? It, mm -hmm. it, am I am I driving this train or is this train driving me? And it feels so much better to know that you are the conductor of your own train. Well, most are not driving their own train. And that's why the majority of our population don't have what they want because they don't believe they can. And whatever you think and believe, you'll achieve. And so you've laid out your own path. Now, it sounds like, oh, this is a good process. No, it's just the way the brain works. It's it's the game of life and you can choose a positive or negative. And we have a whole society. All one has to do is look at the way our politics are discussed at this moment and negative is winning. And uh, it was never intended mm. to be that way. We should be able to have a civil conversation, sharing ideas, learning from each other. But most choose not to do that. And I choose to be around people that aren't negative. And once something gets negative, you'll see me disappear pretty quick. <laughs> so let's bring it, let's bring it to business. Cause I'm really curious. I'm really, really curious how these concepts can play out in a business setting. So personally, we have personal choice and all of that. If you're a leader who buys into this mm -hmm. and you've been doing the work to to, on yourself, right? Right. Like I am focusing on driving my own thoughts and, and figuring out, okay, this is how I'm going to respond to what's coming at me. This is how I'm going to interpret it. This is my choice. How do you, how do you then take that and extend that out into your business and your organization? So that's what I'm curious about because you have multiple businesses. Yeah. Have you been able to successfully do that in business? I'm successful in business in a high level. And there is a reason. Success is really includes two things, capital and talent. Mm -hmm. I have a hundred plus clients that I serve. And uh, I don't have one client that hasn't come to me that isn't already a bona fide millionaire. But they're all coming to me for the same reason. I want to protect my capital or expand it. And mm -hmm. for me, the conversation quickly then moves to the other half of the equation of success. And that is if you don't, if you can understand the other half is talent and they're equal and mm -hmm. talent is people and the development of, and it's the responsibility of leaders to help people connect to what it is they want and it is in harmony with what you want, then you succeed. If the person can't put their arms around that or look at my thoughts as a theory, you get a different consultant. I'm not going to work with you. So I have a, let's see, a supervisor mm -hmm. 
who is trying to manifest the dream team, right? The dream team of all five-star players. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I would, where do they begin? I, I, I tell you this is that first of all, with most and that are new to this, they think it's about just thinking something. It starts with definitely what is it that you want. Mm-hmm. Then it's followed by identifying what are your skills. And more importantly, what skills do you not have? And in building the dream team, if you just bring the dream team and they're all LeBron Jameses, well, then (laughs) that's not going to work. Right. right. The dream team is I have my skills. This is my skills. I don't have these skills. And then my team that I'm building are in possession of excellence in the skills that I don't have. And now we're coming together for a common purpose with these deliverables. I know when to lead. I also know when to follow because if it's not my skill, I have to be willing to let that individual lead in that aspect. And when we're together in harmony, we're connected. We enter the genius zone together and great Mm -hmm. things are going to result from it. But what most don't get, and I can stand about five minutes of a meeting of all these things we're going to do when I know the person doesn't take an action after a thought. It's a thought followed by an action because nothing happens until an action is put into motion, followed by another one and another one and another one. Most don't ever get to that point. And that's why it's all sounds good, but it's, it's like getting out of a shower that is a hot shower and it's cold outside. Hmm. So forgive me, I'm, I'm going to ask about like a really specific situation, because I'm just curious about how you might approach this. Mm-hmm. And this is something that that happens all the time in business, you, you have someone who maybe inherits a team. Mm-hmm. So they don't necessarily have the benefit of going out and hand selecting all of their team members, they're coming in, they, they inherited their team. And oftentimes, well, sometimes when you inherit a team, you'll have individuals who are really excited that you're there. (laughs) And then you'll have some people who are kind of like, oh, man, I miss the old person or, Mm -hmm. oh, man, they're just grumpy and grouchy for whatever reason. Yeah. 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 So setting the tone and and shifting that around, it's not as simple as, okay, I I just I'm only going to be around the people that I want to be around. How, how do you maintain your frame when you are also around people who are more negative, naysayers, yeah. grouchy, grumpy? Rrr. Well, the thing that I think it's really important to recognize is that once when you inherit a team and you're on a mission, be truthful in that we're not going to go forward without change. We are going to have change. And the very first thing that I'm going to do with the new team is I'm going to pair it up with the purpose of the deliverables that we're responsible to do. And then that comes by which team member has what skill set. And oftentimes we put a team together based on people, not on skills. And if it's Mm. not based on skills and talent, you will not achieve your desired end result because you don't have the combined skills to do so, remembering that no one person can achieve what they want alone. 
because they right. have exactly. all the skills required to do it alone. But it's amazing how many people will put together a board of directors that I get involved in with normally the principal owners and tell me about your board. Why is the individual on your board? The person's very successful. And it's almost like in the board room on everybody's nameplate should be their talent that they're bringing mm. to the board. And if you're out of balance in talent or all in the same talent area, there is no way that success can result. So I'm going to assess skill sets. We're going to talk about our mission and redefine it. Then we're going to talk about the actions that occur after we've determined who's responsible for what set of skills and the actions that belong in that skill set and and when do they occur. And then we're going to talk about us having a readiness mindset for what mm. our deliverables are and harmony is is a must. If somebody's negative and can't work in harmony, they have to be excused from the team. And you should hope that you could transfer that individual to your competition. So your book is titled Stop Drifting. Yes. Do you think that companies can drift as well as individuals? Well, companies are people. So yes, uh, mm-hmm. a, there is no such thing. A, a, a company has no soul, has no personality. It is the soul and personality of the people that they bring in to execute a vision. For instance, why is Chick-fil-A doing six and a half million dollars for location and McDonald's doing 2.8? There's a reason. And the reason mm-hmm. is that Chick-fil-A, they simply, their mission is to outcare their competition. So everybody That's knows right. you, you got to have a, it's the only company that I know of, Nordstrom's used to be, not, not so much now. Nordstrom's today is more like Macy's, but and there I get myself in trouble <laughs> in two ways. But <laughs> and, and, but, but Chick-fil-A, it, it, it is about, they built their whole company around the idea of a pleasant personality. And if you look at the core principles of success, understand mm. how to pivot to a, a positive and negative state of mind, the brain model, understand my purpose, gaining my skills and what skills I need to bring on, what faith-based actions am I going to have to execute to get, and then achieving a readiness level to execute those with meaning. When you do those five things, the end result is automatically what? A pleasant personality. You can't be anything but pleasant. And Chick-fil-A built their whole organization around the first thing that you had to have to be a member. You have to be pleasing, pleasant. Mm. And it so, the results are there. Would it be a fair assumption for me to say that if you're drifting, if any of those five things is out of balance? Yes, exactly. A, a drifter is an individual. There's only 3% of our population that are pure non-drifters that have a goals, objectives, a life purpose, followed by faith-based actions to execute them. The, the next 10 is partial non-drifters, which means they're partial drifters. They're going to get the benefit of non-drifting, but they're mm-hmm. also going to pay the penalty of drifting. But the 60% are pure non-drifters, meaning they don't have a goal. They get up to, and they, their goal is to get through the day, the week, the month, and then retire, live six more years and think they're going to be happy. But 27% can are, are, are negative drifters, destructive drifters, 
and they are going to rain on everybody's parade that they can. That's one out of four people. And those you can't be around if you want to succeed. And you certainly can't have that pure, destructive, non-drifter part of your organization because it, it'll destroy any initiative that you have in a positive. Okay. So at this point, I know people are going to be on the edge of their seats going, all right, I'm, <laughs> I've got some people in my head, but I just want to make sure before I unhire them, <laughs> what, what are those signs of someone who is a negative drifter? Well, I will tell you is that they always start every sentence with, you don't understand. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or but. And mm. the ones that point out every reason why your initiative can't work is if, wow, I'm sure glad I asked you or otherwise I was fixing to get excited. <laughs> and when you go forward anyway, their mission then becomes to show you why you've made an unwise decision. So if I'm going to fail and I don't believe that I'm going to fail in anything, I'll have a defeat that I'll adjust mm -hmm. and then succeed, but I'm not going to have somebody on the team that's purpose is to have us fail. Mm. Yeah. They're just dragging you down. I mean, yeah. their yeah. purpose is to have you fail. And they're the ones that are talking about the government. They, the government, the government, the government is who? <laughs> it's the people, the company, the company, mm -hmm. the company are its people. Mm. But it's always someone. And their moms and dads, boy, I wish I didn't have a mom and dad. My mom and dad. Did, and it's always somebody caused the despair that they that they have. They don't take ownership and 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 they and it's they don't smile hmm. they don't talk pleasant so the difference of a pleasant personality and an unpleasant one it's yeah they're really easy to identify now yeah. i would like to That's add helpful. that in my approach i will have a crucial conversation with that individual their people and they deserve to have a crucial conversation that says you cannot be in our feel-good company when you are unpleasant or your behavior or your attack on others, or you have to be right with a customer and show them you're right and they're wrong. That's unacceptable. Mm. It is not what we believe. And I like to use that frame. This is what we believe. And then give the example. And we want you to join us, but you can't join us unless you believe. Is this I'm nodding my head over here. These are our values. These are our principles. And if you don't buy into that, yeah. then I'm sure there are other places that have values that align with yours. And I would, the word I would lose, excuse me, I would never use that word buy in. It's a mm. lousy corporate or a seminar. I want more than that. I gotta, what do you want? I got to ask you to believe. That's different. To buy in is to be tolerated. As a kid growing up in Utah, only mm -hmm. brown kid in my school, they're going to tolerate me. I don't want to be tolerated. I want to be understood, invited, and to be celebrated. Yes. And I don't want you to tolerate anything we're doing in our company. I want you to believe. I want you to join us. And if you can't believe and join us, then this just isn't the place that's meant for you. 
That's good stuff. So I hear that you are cooking something new up in your kitchen. Yes. The power of thought. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Well, the power of thought, I've already shared some of it, the first five chapters, and the sixth <laughs> was a benefit of a pleasing personality. The seventh is the idea that we look at adversity so wrong. Adversity is in a plan, you cannot have every step planned. You just got to get a few and then start, and then you're going to get introduced to adversity and know you're at a milestone. That's good. So <laughs> adversity adjustment, move forward. And and, and that's the, the book, Live Ready, is based on the Napoleon Hill's 17 Principles of Success. And as a disciple of Dr. Hill's work, not mm-hmm. Dr. Hill, of his work, I have a right to write it in my words modernize it and use it into what I'm using in the companies that I run and also in the companies that I consult. Many mm-hmm. people have so, asked me, why, why isn't I haven't seen you on the speaking tour more often? And I said, because 70% of my time, I'm doing what I'm teaching mm-hmm. you. I'm doing what I'm teaching you. And I right. can show you my results if you'd like to come and compare my results with yours, not n- n- not to, to just to validate, we have success, but it's through people. And your balance sheet will not look like you want it to look if you only think of capital. And if you view people as an expense and not an asset, then I'm 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 not the I'm not I'm not the person for you because this is about people. And I have a belief. This is my personal mission. Let me share it with you. I work with employed adults, not unemployed, employed. They get up on Mondays and most go to jobs that they don't love and quietly suffocate in unhappiness, committing spiritual suicide because they don't feel that they're winning at work and providing for their families. Pairing myself with employers that get the power of talent and people, creating wins at work, sends a different mom, a different partner, a different Mm. neighbor home each day. Change one house, change two houses, you've changed the neighborhood, change two neighborhoods, you've changed the city, change two cities, you've changed the state. And I believe that we can change our world by changing people to win at work so that the other four roles, family, faith, community, and health can be addressed Mm -hmm. by being fully present. Well said, well said. Well, David, I, I wanna thank you for joining us today. This was a really, really validating conversation. And if anyone is interested in learning more about you and the work that you're doing, where should they go? Amazon, stop dripping. (laughs) Are they going to find you? Because David Ibarra, I feel like there might be more common. (laughs) It's davidribarra.com or stopdrifting.com. And that's, uh, you'll get to a uh, website that talks about all of the things we do. And the other companies are linked to uh, stopdrifting.com. Nice, nice. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope that you have a wonderful day and Thank you for pouring into our listeners. I really do appreciate it. Thank you, Heather. Thanks for tuning in to the Lead with Levity podcast. 
To get resources mentioned in this episode and find out what we're all about, check us out at leadwithlevity.com.